0: Everyone has the ability to have true faith and to sense God's presence. But if a person is too set on their ways, in their agendas, and just doing what they wanna do, then no matter what the Lord does and shows that person, they will never come to see the reality that God is God, nor his immeasurable goodness and love. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. Today we'll be discussing that to be able to find the truth, there must be a willingness to do so. Spiritual blindness is a very big problem today, and having sufficient evidence of God and His works and wonders are not the problem. Similar to Jesus' time, spiritual blindness today to God happens because people are more focused and preoccupied with their own desires. And when people are so focused on themselves, they will completely miss seeing and experiencing the Lord. Every person can find the truth, but they must let go of their own selfish and vain desires to do so. Today's message is inspired on the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 41 to 59. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, mighty God, I praise you, O Lord. I worship you, I exalt you, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, O Lord God, for who you are and what you are and for what you do. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you, Lord. I give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for the grace and mercy and salvation that we find through him. Thank you, O Lord, for your love through him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you may please always forgive my sins. Lord God, I give you thanks because you are merciful always, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us never to take for granted your mercy and your grace, and help us, O Lord, above all, to be sensitive to you, to what you want us to understand, Lord God, to be able to seek after you, Lord God, and not after what we want. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in John chapter 6, verses 41 to 59. This is the word of the Lord. The Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to him, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, "'Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man "'and drink his blood, you have no life in you. "'Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood "'has eternal life, and I will raise him up "'at the last day. "'For my flesh is food indeed, "'and my blood is drink indeed. "'He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood "'abides in me, and I in him. "'As the living Father sent me, "'and I live because of the Father. "'So he who feeds on me will live because of me. "'This is the bread which came down from heaven.' not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Blaise Pascal said, In faith, there is enough light for those who want to believe and enough shadows to blind those who don't. Faith and truth go hand in hand. There is really no separating them, but there is one that must come first, and that is faith. Without faith, truth cannot be found. Having faith does not necessarily mean that there is no basis for logic or knowledge or understanding or intellect. Actually, quite the contrary. There can be no faith without those things. So faith is not as whimsical as some make it out to be, because in true faith, there is reason. This is one of the God-given abilities that mankind has, that there is some form of reason in each individual, even in the simplest of people. Reason is defined as the power of the mind to think, understand, and form judgments by a process of logic or synonymously, the ability to rationalize. This is all necessary so that faith can occur in a person. And so, the number one question that every human being should have is very simple. And that is, why? The question why, why do we exist, is what necessary for faith to exist. And if there is a sincere and honest why in a person, then truth will come. Why is the question every human being should be asking themselves? If a person gets lost in the other questions in the how, when, what, and where, then only confusion will occur, which is what we mainly have today. In other words, if a person at least has a genuine and objective desire to find truth, then they will find it. But if not, if they have somehow made up their minds and have become set on something that does not explain why, then they have become more interested in the how, what, when, and where. Then, as we can infer in the passage we saw, and as Pascal said, they will only find darkness. And darkness only brings about confusion, deceit, lies, and so on. There is something we need to understand and to rationalize, and that is that we simply do not have the ability to understand the how, when, what, and where of the universe and how everything works. It's just not possible for our limited minds to even understand the tip of the iceberg per se, let alone understand the size of the iceberg to follow the analogy a little bit more. And when we have that humbleness or are able to rationalize that we are very limited people, then we will be able to find the faith we so desperately need in order to ask the question, why? Matthew chapter seven, verse seven and eight relates one of the promises that Jesus made related to this, as He said, "Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened." The religious, or the Jews, as they are referred to in our key passage, were people that were not set on seeking why. They didn't care about the why. They quite frankly only cared about themselves and about what they wanted and about what they thought was right. They were set on things that were so far off base that they had literally God standing right in front of them, speaking to them, but they were unable to see him. Quite frankly, they did not want to see him. They were completely blind and desensitized to the truth. They were oblivious to the facts, to all of the evidence that Jesus Christ himself was laying before them with every single thing he had done. Because quite honestly, if a person believes, then they will see the glory of God. You cannot see the glory of God without faith. It is just not possible. John chapter 11, verse 38 to 44, tells us the following where we see a part of the story of Lazarus. It says, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, By this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, lose him and let him go. Now, here is a point of clarification, and here is where we will lose some people. Faith is not about believing what you want to believe and about getting what you want. That is not faith. Yet, that is what most people teach and or want to believe. Faith is plainly about believing in the Lord and in who He is and in what He is capable of doing, but not in trying to use that knowledge to get what you want. Faith is not manipulation. Faith is not about trying to control God. Faith is not about being self-centered and or fulfilling selfish ambitions and desires. That is where the big disconnect happens and that is where many people get it wrong. And that's why they still remain blind, similar to these religious people and actually most people that were around Jesus. There is one thing that is puzzling per se, and that is that not a single person around Jesus, not one time asked him, why are you here? If you see things objectively, everyone around him was looking to get something out of him. No one was concerned about the why for his coming or what was his purpose, not even the disciples. People came to him looking for something that they wanted and or needed, but hardly anyone to seek after his purpose, to seek the answer of his why, if you will. The disciples were probably intrigued at best on his person and probably desirous of Jesus establishing an earthly kingdom or reign there and then. The multitudes would look for him to get food, healing, liberation, looking for signs and wonders. Probably the only person that came to him to give him something, and of course, an appreciation for something he did, was the woman that anointed him with the perfume. Other than that, it does not seem that anyone was looking to get an answer for why, the reason for why he came, the why we exist. And when you don't somehow come to that place of looking for why, then chances are you will always be oblivious to everything the Lord does and your faith will not grow and you will only remain centered on your own agenda, which is the state of most people in the world today. John chapter five, verse 31 to 36 tells us this. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not truth. There is another who bears witness of me and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he was born witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Most people around the Lord either did not appreciate the things he did or took them for granted or were only focused on their own wants and desires. Nonetheless, if you read all of the things Jesus did, you should come to realize that everything was a manifestation of his divinity. He did unprecedented things. He did things that no prophet had done before. There were a select few prophets that had done miracles, but never like what Jesus did and how often he did them. No one had healed like Jesus, and as many people he did heal. No one had raised from the dead so many like Jesus. No one had multiplied food the way he did. No one had cast out demons like he did. Everything he did was unprecedented. The Apostle John finished his account by writing this, This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. And so the Lord did many, many more things that are not accounted for in the Gospels. Yet despite all of that, people were more focused on them, on their own well-being, on getting what they wanted. Even the disciples were in that mode. How can I say this? Just look at what happened when Jesus was arrested. Where were the multitudes? Every single person left him. There was not one person that stayed with him. Everyone was watching out for their own welfare. And I don't care how much some people will say that it had to be that way. The fulfillment of prophecy happens for two reasons. Either because God has set things to happen the way they are going to happen or because he knows the way things are going to be. And so everyone, without exception, was more concerned about their own welfare, and they went looking for Jesus for things of this nature. What is God going to do to fix my problems, to give me the things that I want and need? And when that's the attitude, there is nothing that God can do that will change their view, not until the attitude changes. Matthew chapter 11 says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, He sent two of his disciples, and he said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. These things that Jesus had told people to go tell John were the same things everyone in Jesus' time had either seen and or experienced personally or at least had heard about. Yet most simply did not see them, not because they couldn't, but because they didn't want to see them, starting with the religious people. They were indifferent to the fact that Jesus made the blind see and that he cleansed the lepers and that he made the deaf hear and that he even raised the dead and that he was proclaiming the gospel, the way of salvation to all who were around him. This same problem remains today. Most people just want to get what they want out of God, and they label as faith their selfish and meaningless desires. In the end, it is all a matter of faith, of true faith. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you see, faith is believing that God is who he is, and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. But not those that seek him to get something out of him, but rather those who diligently seek him because of who he is. That is true faith. That is the faith that moves mountains. That is the faith that will save you, that will change your life, that will change your outlook on everything. The one that gives you the purpose, the reason, and the answers to why. Granted, every single one of us looked for the Lord because we needed something, because there was something that was troubling us or tormenting us. But once we are exposed to God, then that thing or things we were looking for help with should take a very distant second to when we discover who God is. When God reveals himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Some might say, Well, John, we just read in the key passage that Jesus himself said, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent Jesus draws him. And so they may argue. It's not up to us. It's all about to God. And that is possible. But if a person is able to understand literally what is being said about God being God and about Jesus being the Lord he was and is, then they are being given the opportunity by God. If a person is able to intellectually understand the words that are being said, then God is trying to draw that person to the truth because he is exposing them to the truth. But if a person refuses to believe, if they do not wish to believe, if they choose to focus their attention on something else and ignore the truth, Then according to the scriptures, they are liable for dismissing that truth because the word of God works together as a whole, not by pieces where you can take one piece, the one that you want, and dismiss the other many pieces that clarify his truth. For instance, we can't dismiss this passage in John where it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Choice, responsibility, And judgment is all over that short passage. We can't dismiss this other passage either in Romans chapter 1 where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but become futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. This is all very compelling in that there is a responsibility for the truth and what is done with it. Dismissing the truth of God does bring about consequences. The concept of choice is all over this passage. And we can't dismiss this passage either in Revelation chapter 21 where it says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so it's not only about just believing, but even overcoming through that faith by living out the knowledge that God is God and that Jesus Christ is who he needs to be for our own good within our lives. And true faith in the Lord will always take you to precisely that, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, And when that happens, you no longer desire to be in charge anymore. You are not the one that is calling the shots per se. If you have true faith, you have come to that place where you have freely handed over the reins of your life to Jesus Christ because you have come to understand and accept who he is and are seeking after why. There it is again. The answer to why. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, then that answers the why. Why do we exist? Why am I here? Why would such a great and awesome God like the Lord want anything to do with me? Who am I, Lord, that someone like you would want to pay attention to me? When you look to have these questions answered genuinely, that's when God will manifest himself to you clearly and personally. That's where everything starts making sense, even the things that seem unpleasant and difficult. That's when we start seeing the glory of God. And when you see that, everything else starts taking a very distant second place especially our own selfish desires. We leave aside our agendas. We give the Lord the priority he deserves. That's when his will will be done, turns into the focus of our lives because you have come to the realization that he is greater than anything else that exists, even greater than your own life. That's what made so many before us willingly give up their lives for the pursuit of God Almighty because they understood who he was and is and why they existed, and they counted that more worthy than their own existence, like Paul, like Peter, like John, like so many that followed after them. That's why when Jesus said that he was the bread of life, and that if anyone eats of this bread, that they will live forever, and may have seen that landish, but it really wasn't if you understood who was saying it. In other words, if someone as great as the Lord tells you to stand on your head, you should find a way to stand on your head. We do so many things for so much less, for things that can't even compare to God. We study, we work, we bend over backwards for things that have so much less value. Yet, when God tells you to do something, it's a problem, it's uncomfortable, it's annoying, it's unreasonable, you name it. Yet, for a few dollars, many people will lose their dignity, give up their principles, and so much more. And also, many people will completely lose sight of God for so many things that are much less than God. Tell me something. Is the God of the universe less valuable than your possessions, than your hobbies, than your sinful desires, than your family and friends? Let's put it this way. One day, when you stand before God, and in His hands is the decision to either let you into heaven or send you to hell, who would you need to be in good graces with? With your possessions? with your hobbies, with your sinful desires, with your family and friends who have no say or power over the Lord? And some so-called believers would say, well, that's why I believe in Jesus and God will allow me to come into his kingdom because of him. Okay, let's probe a little further and think about this very carefully for your own good. Is Jesus Christ truly the Lord of your life or are you and or other things still the Lord of your life? Who are you living for? Whose will are you doing? That is what Jesus himself said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If you are not doing the will of the Father in heaven, then you can say whatever you want and believe whatever you want, but God will simply not let you into his kingdom and you may turn to Jesus and he will tell you based on that, that he never knew you and to depart from him. And so when the God of the universe tells you to do something, it is in your best interest to do it, no matter how weird or different it may seem to you. And of course, You are going to want to do it because you understand who he is and why things are the way they are, or at least you are starting to understand. What Jesus meant by eating his flesh and drinking his blood is that if we want for the Lord to abide in our lives, If we want to truly experience God in a very real and personal way, then we need to become one with him. And you become one with him when you accept him completely and fully and have submitted your will to his will, when he becomes the effective Lord of your life. That's what he meant by it. When you eat his flesh and drink his blood, not the physical grape juice and bread, you are taking in his truth into you and you are letting it go throughout your body and everything that you are in your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, the same thing that food and water do when you ingest them. They go all over inside of you. You ever heard that, that saying you are what you eat? That's the same concept. But if you are too focused on what you want, on what you think, and on accomplishing your own personal and selfish goals You will never experience God and you will ignore all of the things he does at every moment that prove that he is who he is and what he could be in your life. Some people judge the Pharisees and say, if I would have seen everything Jesus did, I would have reacted differently. Are you sure? Let's test that. Do you believe the things that are written of Jesus? Do you look for God in everything that we see today all around you? How is that any different to back then? The world still spins the way it did. The sun still rises and sets just like it did back then. Your heart still beats like their hearts beat then. You breathe and live the same way they lived and breathed. You experience God's miracles every single day at every moment and now you have the knowledge within your grasp through the Holy Bible to know everything there is to know even some of the many things Jesus did while here on earth, there is surely more than enough to compel us to believe, more than enough to show God's greatness, and more than enough that is needed to prove that God is calling all mankind to salvation through Jesus Christ. The question that you really need to ask for yourself is, do I truly and genuinely have the willingness to find the truth or am I looking for something else? The point in all of this is that if a person is at least genuinely willing to find the truth and they do not let themselves be distracted by what they want, they will find the truth. They will be able to see God. Everyone has the ability to have true faith and to sense God's presence. But if a person is too set on their ways in their agendas and just doing what they want to do, then no matter what the Lord does and shows that person They will never come to see the reality that God is God, nor His immeasurable goodness and love. Most people are so distracted by the mundane, by vanity, by temporary and meaningless things, that they simply cannot see God, even if God is showing them all of His miracles and wonders, even things that mankind have absolutely no control over every time you see the sunrise in the morning that is god giving you the dawn of a new day every time you inhale you are taking in the air he gives you to breathe every time your heart beats is god sustaining your very existence just look up look all around you look at yourself god's works are everywhere god's greatness is everywhere And every moment that you live is a moment that God has given you the opportunity to know Him, to seek Him out, to acknowledge Him as the Lord that you need so desperately. And the main thing you do need God for is for eternal life. Just keep this in mind and here is where the vanity, the desire to just live for the temporary things should dissipate. Money is temporary and it can only solve certain problems. You will die from something someday. And there's nothing you can do about it. So your health is important but it will leave you at some point. Your friends and family are also temporary and very limited. Everything you see and experience through your senses in this world will all go away, even your own physical life. But no one knows exactly when that will happen. Only God knows that. But if you weigh all of those things, you should come to the realization through your own reason that eternity is the most important thing and the only gatekeeper, the only way to eternity is Jesus Christ. And of course, you need to belong to Him and let Him lead you so that you in fact get to that place that only He can take you. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the beginning and the end. He is the way. And so my advice to you is to not let yourself be so focused on the temporary, on the things that have a very limited value and look for the only one that can give you the answer to why you exist, to why you were made. Do that, and you will live eternally. Ignore the Lord, and you will be lost forever. You will never be able to find the truth. I leave this as a final thought. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works let us pray heavenly father holy god help us O lord to leave aside those temporary meaningless things that we think about so much Help us, O Lord, to be able to give the priority to you and to the things that truly matter. Lord God, the truth is that we will never know when our time will come, when it will be. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to live this life in such a way that we understand that. And help us to understand that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that you may help us to be willing to have a desire to find your truth. And Lord God, to be able to take it in and to be one with it. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be able to take those words of life that Jesus taught us and that they may become a part of us. Heavenly Father, Help us never to lose a grip on true reality. That everything that we see will one day go away and only you will remain. And if we are in you, then we too will also remain forever. Help us, O Lord, to value what you do and never to dismiss it. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.